Welcome to machine learning. Well, uh, so to this morning I was thinking I should return back to Keras because I have some linear regressor problems that are non-linear. And uh, that's one of the great uh, features to neural nets is that they can learn non-linear functions and then be used in the predictability. So what I'm going to do is uh, uh, set up my, my Keras network, uh, input my, uh, so I'll vary my x on the function, so f of x, and then plot the y. So it's a, a two-dimensional uh, series, time series. So x is your time component and I can predict into the future. So I should be able to match the existing uh, uh, functionality and then also see if I can predict into the future and uh, see how that looks. So I'll run a certain number of epics and, uh, and then plot that out and take a look at what it looks like in the future. So that's a kind of an exciting insight because uh, I've been trying to think about where I could apply the Keras in business and I think I can do that in the time series. Um, there's also other things in classification that I could do but it's, uh, it hasn't been real obvious the need for the classification. Uh, so yeah, if you're trying to identify certain target groups, blah, 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 uh, maybe that might be a classification issue. Um, anyway, that's uh, kind of where I'm going with this, and so I'll uh, let you know. This week we're going to have a, a couple of guest speakers, talkers, podcasters, I guess that's what you want to call them, and uh, one is a maker. Now, maker, you can qualify to be a maker just by building your own things. Like uh, for Christmas, we're, my wife and I are building a Chinese puzzle that we're going to give to all our kids. So we actually took a seat, a wood seat, uh, from Home Depot. And then we used, uh, well, I originally used uh, squares, dividing squares to figure out the puzzle. And then my wife thought about it, she being very high IQ'd, uh, thought about it and said, you know, there's an easier way to find the intersection points. And so she watched a couple of YouTubes where they use strings and they use a compass and a string to figure out the intersection points. And uh, she was able to build a model, a template, and then uh, she drilled it out and it looks great. So she's a maker. Uh, she figured out a pattern and she created something and she made it. Uh, another thing that she did that I really liked was uh, she, she's into watercolors and she did a watercolor postcard. And I said, oh, I like that. Can I have one for uh, my dad? So uh, I got, I got uh, one of them and I you know, wrote him a nice little letter and, uh, and sent that off to my dad. And uh, hopefully he enjoys that. But uh, anything authentic today is worth money or value. So if you're a maker, you know, you might uh, have some ideas with electronics and 3D printing. So you might, uh, uh, you know, 
create some uh, PCB, PCB boards that do certain functionality. And then you might connect that to some motors. And then you might print some 3D shapes or structures. And it might provide some functionality. One that I thought about a long time ago, but I never was able to build it, was uh, a way to monitor water in a plant. So the uh, you had a, uh, a moisture sensor in your water pot, and then at the bottom you had a holes at the bottom, and then you had a container that collected the water. And so you had a small pump in there that would pump water up to the uh, top of the plant, and and uh, then, you know, you'd have maybe a sensor in there that tells if the water got to a certain level that you need to add more water. It could even send maybe a Wi-Fi message to you that you need to add more water. But uh, it would be powered. The, the pump might have a battery, and the battery might be recharged by a solar solar cell. Uh, real cheap, you know, it would be work like almost at the level of the lights that, you know, that are lit up that have a solar panel that take in uh, electricity during the day and then they stay lit during the night using a LED. Same kind of concept, but it would turn a little motor and that motor then would uh, uh, pump water up from uh, the base of the plant into the plant. I thought that'd be a great idea because so many times you have plants around your home and uh, and they die because of neglect and you get busy you forget to water your plants and the poor things just basically starve for water you got plenty of light got plenty of love but or maybe plenty of light not enough water and not enough love uh, so <clears throat> those are some of the ideas where a maker could make some things then we're going to have another guest uh, on Wednesday he will be talking to us about uh, machine learning in AI ML production. I've kind of talked to you a little bit about that in the past. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll find that conversation interesting. He is the uh, author of uh, Human in the Loop. Uh, we've had a podcast on that. And the basically Human in the Loop is that your system is constantly changing. You're going to get new inputs. Your models are not going to perform as well. You may even have data that causes your model to break. Um, and so you need a human in the loop to be constantly validating, measuring accuracy. And then when the accuracy drops, uh, coming up with new models or, or uh, new training sets to uh, restore back the accuracy of the model. So, uh, and that's one of the weaknesses of AI right now and, and possibly even a potential failure as things become more and more complex is that it misses the feedback loop so it doesn't automatically correct. So the Hopfield network had some promise because it <clears throat> had a feedback loop that fed back into the network and, uh, and potentially had the ability to learn new, uh, new data. Uh, and so if you have systems where you have the element of cybernetics, which is feedback, then 
the possibility of survival is going to be much higher than if you have a system where you train it once and then you try to generalize it for all possible conditions. And then when it fails, uh, you don't have anyone on staff that's capable enough to understand why it failed or how to improve the model. So those are always challenges. And it's, you know, these are challenges I see and hear about daily where uh, they have, maybe it's fraud detection. Fraud detection is not catching uh, all of the cases properly. So they're wanting to improve the model. They have thousands of features that they're watching and, you know, trying to uh, measure those features for some sort of behavior that is irregular. And then by identifying irregular behavior, then if something comes in that has that irregular behavior, it's, it's, uh, it's flagged as a potential fraud. So that's one. Another one could be failed logins. You know, the cost to, to the consumer for failing to log in, getting more and more complex problems where either you have failure in the login, could be uh, tempted to use an account improperly, and that might be an indication that uh, there could be a fraud element there. Uh, but it also could represent, you know, a time constraint or cost to the consumer that's creating irritation. And, uh, and so you, maybe there's a, a way to improve that uh, login capability, like a one-click type of thing like Amazon provides. So authenticate one time and get in. Uh, perhaps authenticate through a well-known provider like Google, Amazon, or LinkedIn, or maybe even uh, Microsoft. You know, so there's there's going to be the issue of authentication uh, chat uh, failures that could be also signal that there's uh, uh, areas for improvement for the company, especially when you're doing millions of transactions a day. And, you know, when you're dealing with just a few hundred, it may not be significant. But when you're dealing with millions of transactions from all over the world a day, it does become significant. So you do the case studies and and uh, analysis and try to figure out how to incrementally improve that process. Um, and then also there's our famous section, which is customer churn. And, uh, you know, doing the analysis for customer churn is a big deal. And so uh, uh, following the, the customer, trying to make predictions on whether the customer will be late on their payment, whether they will uh, make another purchase, uh, whether you know, they're about ready to leave your company based on their frequency, recency, and monetary uh, purchases versus time. Uh, some, some, maybe there's some trending that is occurring that's signaling that they're about ready to leave the company. And you might, at that point, you may want to make a, uh, certain offers at discounts to uh, create incentives for them to say stay because losing a customer could be expensive.